Will it be another Boxing Day beating from the G for England? It's cricket, only better. This is Cricket Only Better, episode 118. I'm Ed Hawkins, betting.betfair cricket correspondent. Welcome to the podcast, which hosts the only English folk who are having a brilliant ashes. Am I right, Sam Collins? You're not wrong, Hawkins. You're not wrong. It's not a gimmick to say that this is the only cricket podcast which tells you exactly what is going to happen on the field of play. Result may be obvious, the specifics less so. We've had an extraordinary second test, recording 23.3 points in profits, taking our best bets total to an extraordinary 39.3. And if only if there was some sort of Christmas analogy joke we could make here, Sam. Yeah, perhaps, Ed Hawkins, there were 39.3 kings bearing gifts. Um, anyway, which brings me nicely to one of them, Paul Krishnamurti, who may be full of frankincense. Hi Sam, I was wondering what we would get today. Um, hopefully we bring that all year round. Yes, yes, yes. And not forgetting the man that brings um, the gold, um, supposedly, sportinglife.com's Richard Mann. Evening Sam, evening. I was I was going somewhere with a joke there and then I, I pulled myself back because this is a family show, Richard Mann. And that leaves uh, Edward Hawkins um, with the myrrh. Uh, and no one knows quite what that is. Perhaps what's tell us what? Perhaps maybe you could tell us what's on the show instead, Edward Hawkins. Well, it's the ultimate preview of the Boxing Day Test from the G. The stats, the trends, the analysis, and of course the winners. Lovely stuff. And Tasneem Samarkhan is back again with a deep dive on whether Melbourne's microclimate is a home from home for England here. And of course, you'd be mad to miss those best bets. Right, let's start with some Ashes housekeeping now. If you've been following Ed Hawkins' in-play pieces, you'll note the Betfair swingometer patented patented that uh, gives Australia a 99% chance of retaining the Ashes. They're as short as 1.04 to win the series. England on the handicap with a 1.5 game head start is now 4-1. to one. Let's try to look ahead a little as to what's going to happen in the next three games. Edward Hawkins. Yeah, often counsel against taking uh, too big a say or prediction on on a five-test series when we're still early days because there's such long, drawn-out processes and players can get injured and momentum can shift and what have you. However, Ashes series, particularly down under, tend to be very, very different affairs. And I think we can get caught up a lot of the time when we're talking about test series on um, in terms of... Uh, the toss, selection and plans. But the bottom line is, and I said it in the last show, I think England are completely shot um, and it's just damage limitation from here and here on in. I don't expect any improvement from England whatsoever because there's certainly no personnel they've got out there which could change things up. OK, coming to Richard and Paul in a second. Series correct score prices on the exchange. Firstly, uh, 5-0 whitewash, favourite at 2.94. Fairly extraordinary. 4-0 E, Australia win, next best at 4.4. And 4-1 is 5.6. Richard Mann, can England manage one here? Can they manage even a draw? I know England are 3.3 plus 2.5 tests on the handicap. Well, I better be optimistic, hadn't I? Because I've said all along that they can be competitive out there. And I still believe they can be competitive. I think on paper, they've definitely got the potential to 
push an Australian side that isn't without its own weaknesses close. But as Ed says, they look like they're on a downward spiral at the moment. I mean, selection's just been an absolute nightmare for England. I think until the dots don't start selecting correctly. I, I can only see this series going one, one way, really. And a bit of good news for England is that Pat Cummins and Josh Hazel will probably be back for Boxing Day, so it goes from bad to worse, really. Paul Krishnamurti, uh, you called Aussie dominance from the start, obviously, but I spotted you having a bit of a wobble, did I, didn't I? You back to 2-2 draw before Adelaide? I, I did have a... It wasn't a wobble so much as it was just a reaction to the team news that Cummins was out as well. And England was shortening dramatically for the match down to 3.0, in which case 12 to 1 about 2 all was too big. Had to take it, you know, because if England had won that, that would be a fabulous price. But um, I don't give that a prayer now. I'm quite happy to be on 4 0 at 5.9. Just as a quick point about that, the the 2.94 about 5 0 might look obvious probably will happen, but it's not a good value bet because just betting match by match as a treble, as a running on treble, I think will pay more. I mean, they're 1.53 the time of, at the time of speak for the uh, Boxing Day match. So I would say that that treble will probably pay closer to three to one. Okay, thank you very much. Um, Hawkins, you've got a start of the week for us, please. Yeah, thanks, Collins. At Nelberg Cricket, <laughs> give him a follow on Twitter, very shrewd. Lots of good info coming from him. He says, after two tests, only five of England's top seven haven't managed 100 runs from four knocks. As I said, we can debate the toss, lengths bold or not bold, but it does come down to selection. And this is the bottom line. England may well bring in Crawley for Hamid and Bairstow for Pope. So what? Bairstow averages 22 last two years. Crawley averages 29. And it's far, far Less than that if you ignore that Pakistan. That's still net minus one against Pope and Hamid averages over the last two years as well because they're, they're picking from absolutely uh, nothing. They've got nothing in the bank. I mean, that would say so much about England, wouldn't it? The idea that a scratchy 30-whatever from Rory Burns is enough to save him and you just stick Hamid on the dump heap. Um, Paul, does it even matter who England pick now? Probably not. I, I don't think I think the situation looks incredibly grim. They even Australia on ordinary side, England just look like a second or third grade test team at the moment. I noticed that I think that's now seven of their last twelve away test innings were below two hundred. Only one was above three hundred. Bear in mind that's just come on a road in Adelaide, an absolute road, without their two best bowlers. I mean, we're just not good enough. Um, I, for the, so far as this next test match is concerned, I would certainly pick Johnny Best. I would have had him in by the chance. I'm not particularly enamoured by Zach Crawley. I'm not really convinced that Hamid should be the one to go. He has had many chances. But I suppose they've got to do something. Um, you wouldn't think they're going to pick Jack Leach having not played him in Adelaide. Maybe they will. Is Best going to get a game any, anywhere? I mean... None of these names give me any inspiration at all. Richard Mann, who would you pick as we move on to that third test preview? I think we'll make four changes. I think I think Burns will go for Crawley um, in the hope that Crawley can do well on these pitches. Bairstow has to come in for Pope because Pope's got no method against spin. One thing we know about Bairstow is he's a good player of spin. Did well here four years ago. And then with the bowling, they'll have to pick a spinner 
um, which is laughable, really, because they didn't pick one in Adelaide when it when it spun and it was dry. Um, I suspect Bess will come in because they've, they've already shown the hand with Leach that they don't rate him. And Bess can bat, and what that will do is they will allow them possibly to leave out Works, who, who really is ineffective with a cookabrua ball. We know that now, but gives them batting. Um, so I, I suspect Bess will come in for Works, and then it'll be one of Robinson or Broad who will make way for Mark Wood, who will bring pace. Okay, thank you, Richard. I mean, on the Johnny Bairstow thing, interesting that he does feature in three of England's top 10 partnerships with um, Joe Root this year. Rory Burns, by comparison, features in just one. Um, okay, let's move on to our third test preview. Boxing Day at the G, one of cricket's greatest spectacles, even if it is rarely competitive. Bet for exchange prices have Australia at 1.52, England at 6.6, which looks generous. The draw is 5.2. Edward Hawkins has a lowdown for us. Yeah, Australia possible 11 for you. Uh, Warner and Harris. Harris on his home ground. They're going to keep faith with him, I suspect, which tells you a lot about the strengths of the two sides at the moment and where the pressure is. Labashane, Smith, Head, Green, Carey, Cummins, Richardson, I think, is going to get the nod instead of Stark, who's may well miss out because of a back injury. They want to give him a bit of a rest. Hazelwood also returning. Uh, and Nathan Lyon, England, well, it could be... Burns or Hamid draw, uh, joining Crawley. Milan, Root, Stokes. Best over Pope. I think we are convinced on that point. Butler. Robinson's been pretty decent, although his pace has been down. Um, we're going to give him the nod ahead of Broad. Then it's Leach or Bess, uh, Wood and Anderson. Old scorecards, not much use for us at the MCG. Last five first inning scores, just to read them out for you. 197, 467, 443, 327, uh, Australia lost to India last year and that 197 was by Australia against India. Why are they no use to us, those scorecards? Because they've completely changed the pitch and that Australia-India game was the first test on that revamped surface. Okay, I'm right on cue. Almost like you designed it, Edward Hawkins. Here's Tasneem Samarkhan on what we can expect from the MCG this year. The MCG has been the site of a few famous English victories, including Boxing Day 2010, Jonathan Trott's impressive 168, and my favourite part, four English batsmen facing over 100 deliveries each. So England have played 56 games at the MCG. They've got a 50% win or draw rate which is much more palatable numbers as an England fan. But lest we forget, England have been playing at the MCG since 1877 and so much has changed since then. So once we control for tests since 1990, from a comparative cricketing culture and environment, those favourable statistics change significantly. That winner draw percentage drops all the way down to 37.5. And while that is not exactly what you hope for in your Christmas stocking, it's still a whole heap better than how the series has been going for England thus far. So of 113 tests played the MCG, 56 have been won batting first, 40 have been won bowling first. This is unique for Australia because it's definitely not a determinative split. That does give a little insight into success at the MCG, a pitch that offers balance between bat and ball, built upon a better chance of success based on session by session, regardless of whether batting or bowling. And, and therefore, the English touring side have more opportunities 
should they choose to grab them by the horns. Now, nothing in cricket is static. The 2017 Boxing Day pitch was rated as poor, and since then, curator Matt Page has installed new pitches. Uh, the wicket that India played on and won on last year is the one that we'll see in action on Boxing Day, and it's built to offer early pace and bounce, even out to, to favor a little batting with some deterioration bringing in spinners at the back end. And if we look at India's winning performance at the MCG last year, that's exactly what happened. Fascinatingly, India's batting had seven of the lineup playing over 40 deliveries in the first innings. Only three of Australia's batsmen could manage the same feat. So we've clearly got a balanced equation between the two aspects of the game and the types of bowlers involved. If we look at Australia's success at the G, same story. Pat Cummins, most successful bowler, followed by Nathan Lyon. On the batting side, Steve Smith, four centuries and a measly average of 91.6. So from England's perspective, that lack of Ashes 100 is really going to impact their chances at the MCG. While Milan's averaging 47 and Root's not too far behind, Hamid and Burns are both playing across the line, presenting the Aussie bowlers with pretty much walking wickets. And right now, the idea, despite those favorable historical stats of an English side that is capable of playing 100 deliveries each, seems nothing but a distant memory. Great stuff as ever. Thank you, Tasneem. Paul, let's come to you first. It's a mismatch. So how do you bet on it? You said you mentioned England at value of 6.6. I think Australia are at 1.53, to be honest. I think if you played this match 10 times, they'd probably win nine of them. Um, so maybe it is one of those old situations that we've often said about overnight cricket in the UK. Just stick your bet on at the start of the week, get some sleep and pick it up in five days. But that isn't the way we bet generally. So... I will go back to what happened in the last match. The last match was incredibly one-sided again. And yet, once again, you got paid out if you just waited and took the bigger price in running. Um, I got 1.7 on Australia to win when England were momentarily looking like hitting a reasonable total in the first innings. So I think here, once again, we'll probably get look double the starting odds is evens, Australia, but maybe... Don't be that generous. Don't be that optimistic and just put an order in and try and get 1.8 about them. I think that's pretty rock solid. Richard Mann, you totally out of faith with England now. You're selling their runs, buying Australia's. What are you, what's your strategy for this match? Well, I mean, it looks like a side markets again for me, but I mean, this is just a, something Paul's banged the drum, drum at a lot recently and I completely agree. England get a good partnership. More than likely, it's going to be Milan and Root and then look to sell it you know, the extremities. I mean, look at that first innings there. They were going great guns. Um, Milan and Rue, another 100 partnership. And they scrambled to, what was it, 2-3-6 in the end in the first innings. It was a shocking collapse. But it but it was believable because we've seen it all year and the year before that and the year before that. So I think if you're going to be looking at runs lines, that's probably the way to play. I mean, how England didn't make 350 in that innings is beyond me. But unfortunately, that's the England we've got right now. Just to add, if we think if we're really strong on Australia here, there's a really nice bet in um, the odds on that section, eight to one about an innings victory for Australia. That sounds nice, Edward Hawkins. You, a little birdie, tells me you're doing in-play content for betting fair. Anything you've spotted on this? Well, just to pick up on what Paul and Richard said there. Uh, Richard was talking about Root and Milan being England's best chance. Completely agree with that. And then Paul saying when Australia's odds might come up, get on them at 1.7, 1.8. 
When might that be? Well, the data says overs 20 to 50 with, with the red ball in Australia offer the least amount of swing. So that is when England's batters, and hopefully it's Root and Milan at the crease at that point, are most likely to do well. That's when to expect runs. And that's also when you can expect Australia's price to take a few ticks up. There is a bit of a spike of swing after the 50, 50th over, however. So you might want to arrange your bets in accordance with that statistic. Uh, we wouldn't be betting um, on Australia to collapse after that 50 over because you just don't have any faith in uh, England's bowling. Uh, but likewise, expect Australia to run same time, uh, 20 to 50 over mark. That's the best time to be getting with them. Okay. Um, Paul Krishnamurti, will you be using your tried and trusted strategy here? Yeah, I, I mean, as I just said, that, that's exactly the way to do it. Just wait till England on a partnership, particularly after 50 overs. Uh, market always overreacts and assumes that because the pitch looks docile for 10 over, it's going to stay that way. Never does. And we look vulnerable to collapses at any time. Okay. Um, Richard Mann, before we move on to the side markets and players to bet on, is it possible that England might might improve for the time in the middle? Just conscious we might have forgotten they were totally unprepared coming in here. They were, and, and we can hope, can't we, Sam? I think for someone like Stokes, who you know came here with absolutely no cricket, he spent some time in the middle this week, and you would think he'd come on for the run and he, he might be sort of ready to strike. But conversely, the other thing, and I think this is a beauty of four and five match series, is you get to see how sides are looking to work people out. And Butler got a lot of plaudits today, and he, he dug in and, you know, at one point looked like he might get England a draw. But you have to, Australia have clearly got a method to try and get him out. He plays away from his body with his hands, front foot goes down the pitch, not to the ball, and Stark in particular has just angled the ball away, dangles it out there, and eventually Butler has a flash, nicks it, Unlike in one-day cricket, you have slips and he's generally caught out. And that is the way Australia were going to go at him all series now. And they're just going to keep picking apart that weakness. And it's the same with Pope against offspin. So we can talk about underprepared and England coming on for the run. But Australia have found some weaknesses in Pope and in Butler. And I think they're going to keep exposing them. And as a better, you now have to, and I've been a Butler and Pope fan, you now have to look at that and factor it in and think, mm, are they going to keep opening them up and, and, and keep causing mayhem really so some fascinating things about a five match series and things for betters to consider thank you very much let's move on to the side mark there's famous best bets still to come of course but first let's find the players to follow and the side markets to bet on in melbourne ed hawkins please kick us off with your top aussie first innings run scorers wages Right, Labuschagne is your first man to take a look at. Top scored against India in that MCG test last year. He's been boosted to 3-1 to one by Betfair Sportsbook. That's a bit of a risk. I tend to think that to check out the to score a 50 and to score a century prices, however, because England's bowling uh, is struggling so badly, that's where the value could be. It's tricky to pick out one man to dominate, I, I suspect. Um Smith is 5-2 to two with Betfair Sportsbook. Uh, we're referencing that ridiculous record he's got at the G, quoted by Tasneem Summer Khan. Marcus Harris is sevens, which is looking pretty chunky on his home ground. Travis Head is 11-2. to two. Paul, anything for you here? Well, firstly, I'd say that boosted 3-1 to Labashain is very reasonable. Um, I think if you took 3-1 to one over the long term, that would pay off. 
such, such is his strength. But the bet I like, once again, is in that odds on that section. We can get 13 to 5 about either Labuschagne or Smith making a ton in the first innings. Quick question about Labuschagne, actually, given his uh, innings at Adelaide in the first innings. And I know we backed him for man of the match, so well done to us. And top run scorer and various other bets as well. We absolutely nailed it. But isn't he out of form? Because he was out four times, essentially, wasn't he? I mean, do, <laughs> do we not just say, hold our hands up, say, yeah, we've had loads of nice winners on Labuschagne. Let's keep all those profits to ourselves rather than go back on and again. Uh, a guy who's probably run out of all his luck. Or maybe he just gave us maybe he just gave us the four chances he was going to give us in the whole series and we blew it. Yeah, and I thought actually in the second innings he looked he actually played better than the first. Um I know he only made what fifty-one compared to the hundred, but um no, it's a fair point. He already looked, didn't he? And England probably I mean Anderson had him dropped, I think he twenty twenty player misses before he got to hundred. So clearly he already looked, but his record is phenomenal. I mean, he's got a brilliant game, the numbers back it up. Um, I just find it hard to look away from him. I wouldn't say we've we've seen weaknesses with Smith, um, but he looks human, doesn't he, at the moment? Whereas in past Ashes series, he's he's just looked slight Superman. Um, so I think Labuschagne is, is still the player personally, and I completely concur with Paul. It's what I've got written down: the thirteen to five for either to make a century in the first innings. I mean, it nearly caught twice in the first uh, in Adelaide. Sorry, um, that has got to be of interest. I'm going to pop in with a quick stat, which is that Steve Smith averages 71 as captain and 54 when he's back in the ranks. So Cummings' return could be good for England. Maybe. Hopefully. Maybe. Maybe. Um, okay. Uh, where are we next to Richard Mann? Who do you like here? Yeah, well, I'm 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 keen on Labuschagne, really. I, I'm with him for the series as well. And I, I'm while he's going strong, I, I think I'll keep rowing in with him. Back to Ed Hawkins for top England prices now. Root boosted to two to one by Betfair Sportsbook. Fifty on this ground on his last visit. Milan is ten to three, which is quite something, because he was sixes at Adelaide. Burns is six to one, expecting Bairstow and Crawley probably five and six respectively, or maybe the other way round. In fact, uh, Butler at nine. It's a dearth of value here, really. Um, you want to look down lower down the order, don't you, for uh, someone who's going to make thirty or forty and win it? Um, but there's not much joy to be had in terms of prices, I'm afraid. Paul, do you bother looking past Milan here or has the value gone? Who sixes in Adelaide? I think the value has gone. I'm not saying that's a bad price, 100 to 30, but it's only the right price. Um, I mean, two to one, route boosted is probably not a terrible price, but as Ed said, you'd probably rather look for a price down the order. If I was going to pick anyone, I think I'd pick Bearstow. Okay. Richard Mann, any, uh, any insight for us here? Yeah, I'd probably agree with Paul there about Bairstow, actually, because he's going to bat six if he comes in and he's going to be facing Nathan Lyon. He's a really good player of spin. Um, so if the price is played ball, the other one, actually, and he's, he's not quoted at the moment, if Don Best gets a nod, he can hold a bat, you know, and on the same basis that, that Ed went for works this week in second in his 20, 30, 40, might win you it. And Bessie was batting number six for Yorkshire this summer. Clearly worked hard on his batting. He can play. That's interesting. I think the thing here is, I mean, two to one has dangled a carrot about Root, but even so, do you want to be taking, as good a player as he is, do you want to be taking two to one or less about a guy who is still without a hundred in, in these, in this country? I, I wouldn't personally, I, I'd just keep taking him on in Australia. Okay. Um, to top bowlers now, and we'll start with a listener question. John Brackenridge is asking for Nathan Lyons win rate in the second innings in home tests, please. Over to you, 
Edward Hawkins. Yeah, filtered to the last five years, Lyons got a win rate of 24%. Hazelwood pips him by 1%, however. Uh, Lyon returns 48% when you're counting the ties as well. But I don't think we're going to be getting 7-2 um, Lyon here for top wicket-taker in, in your second innings. I think he went off about 5-4 to four in Adelaide, so there's no value to be had, sadly. But good question, John. Thanks very much. Uh, and that moves me on to strike rates at MCG, actually. A little bit of glimmer of a hope for England. Cummins, 40. Stark, 62. Lyons, 64. Hazelwood, 96. But that probably highlights how bad the pitch was for the bowlers. Uh, Cummins is 9-4. Hazelwood is 11-4. Stark, 3s. Richardson, 3s. Richardson averages 40 in first-class cricket on this ground. For England, the prices, these are all Betfair Sportsbook. Anderson, 5-2. Robinson, 3s. Mark Wood is 7-2. And Stokes, 9-2. I think Robinson's pace is down, but he's looked the most likely, hasn't he? Uh, and the most impressive for England. But there's questions about whether he even plays. Okay, who do you like or loathe out of those, Richard Mann? Yeah, I'm keen on Pat Cummins coming back in. I mean, clearly it's not ideal that he's been in quarantine, but I mean, he looked very good at Brisbane. Um, 2017-18, he got four, took four for 117 here on a road he, he, he copped. Um, and I think these are the sort of wickets, you know, sometimes the hard yards, um, you know, if it is a good pitch like it was four years ago, it's when Cummins comes into his own, really. I agree with Ed. I think Stark will be rested. Um, so you're not going to have, or if Hazelwood isn't isn't ready, Stark may stay in, but you're not going to have both of those against against Cummins. I would never take line in the first innings. I don't like taking off spinners away from the subcontinent in the first innings. So it looks to me like Cummins in a match with either Stark or Hazelwood, um, as well as Richard Symbold in the second dig here. So I, I'm keen on Cummins. I think nine to four is a fair price. Okay. Anything there for you, Paul Christian? Uh, no, I'm not really. Not not a lot. I agree with Rich. I think it's between, I'm assuming Hazelwood plays, it's between those two. I'd probably just, marginally prefer Hazelwood at slightly bigger odds 11 to 4 that's just because I'm just very positive about just Hazelwood generally at the moment Okay and to the floor anything you've spotted on any of the other markets before we move on? I think this is a good little back to lay scenario again in the odds on that section Australia to score 500 runs in the first innings is 7 to 1 you know the market's starting 350 375 it doesn't take anything really much at all for the first couple of wickets to get that 500 line down to three six to four so that would that is a that would be a plan i'd say that take seven to one and put an order to lay in for double your stake at two to one okay yeah just i mean this is this is one for just a few quid really but Joe Root top England bowler seven to one if England are stubborn and don't go with a spinner and in theory they shouldn't because they didn't in Adelaide although I suspect they might he might be a bit of value plenty of left-handers to go out in in Australia's batting lineup, he's clearly a much improved bowler. And look, if Australia get a big score, you're going to see Anderson and Broad not flogged like like was the case this week in Adelaide. And Root might just get through a lot of overs. And we've seen he can just pick up wickets. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't be going mad, but at seven to one, I think there's probably worse things to throw a few quid at. Well, one more little bit of fun 20 to one from the odds on that section. Labashane and Smith to get 300 combined in the first innings. And Nathan Lyons take five wickets in the match. Paul, I, I looked actually, I think double hundred. Is it six to one for someone to yeah, make a double hundred? I looked at that too. I looked at that too. 
you well, you're, you're clearly just betting on Australia there because I don't think anyone from England's going to make a double. No, but you've got quite a few running for you, right? I mean, anyone of Warner, Labrachan and Smith certainly could. Absolutely. Uh, two in-play things for you uh, looking forward. Uh, this could be a day two job, but uh, just to make a note of it, I'd be selling Zach Crawley's runs, um, probably be around about 19.5, I suspect. I think Crawley's had no game time whatsoever either, and this is probably a step up in class for him. Also, just have a look at when Bess or Leach are bowling. Uh, obviously, neither of both can play, but when one of them is bowling, check out Betfair Sportsbook and they will have the over, the next overbook ones runs to be scored off. Now, Australia are going to go out and attack England's spinner, whoever it may be, and you're going to be getting fancy prices on about 3.5 runs or more off that over. And that was one which paid off handsomely in the India Test Series uh, whenever that was. Last winter, was it? Can't remember. Okay. Thanks very much, guys. Now let's move it on to the best bets. Right, best bets time. Ed Hawkins, you've got some scores and some doors for us. Now we're roaring into the new year with massive profits. Great news for everybody concerned. Paul Krishnamurti is plus 25. Richard Mann has come back into profits, as I said he would. He's 14.3. I think it's Richard Mann to go first as well this week. All right. I, I'm sorry, Paul, but I'm going to have two units on um, either uh, Smith or Marnus Labachin to make a first innings ton at 13 to 5. That's cool. I've I've got a reserve in case you chose <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. I will place an order for three units on Australia at 1.8 in running. And I'll have two units on Pat Cummins, a top Australia bowler. Okay. I'll have one unit on Australia to win by an innings, 8 to 1. I do like that one actually, but I'm going to finish off uh, with one with one unit on any player t- to score a double century at six to one. Okay, and I will finish off with that back to lay Austra- one unit Australia to score five hundred plus in the first innings at seven to one, and place an order to lay two units at two to one. That's your lot then. Check out those prices on Betfair Sportsbook. In the meantime, don't forget to check out betting.betfair. We've got Big Bash. We've also got South Africa versus India. And we've got Ashes in play for every single game that England managed to make it last. Finally, Merry Christmas to everybody. And we'll see you next time.